This week's episode is brought to you by the Stanley Cup Final coming up starting on Wednesday, which means we have to go three days with no hockey. Are you kidding me? Get out of here. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. We're back. I'm Steve Allison. You're locked into the Mile High Hockey Podcast for June 1st, 2015. Coming up on the show, we got a bunch of news from the team recently, from coaching changes to front office changes to upcoming RFA signings. We're going to talk about off-season wish lists. We're going to talk about a little bit of site news, but before we play the whoosh, your disembodied voices for the week include top trader AJ. Hello, AJ. Hi to you, sir. Secondary top trader Cole Hamilton. How are you, Cole? Doing well, thanks. And our man Earl06. What's up, Earl? How's it going? Well, with that, we should just move along to the whoosh. Top on our list of topics today, we've got some coaches on their way out the door. Um, according to a media availability that Coach Waugh had at the Memorial Cup, I think it was at the Memorial Cup, um, it's been about them wanting to have an expanded role. I think Coach Andre is looking for. Uh, a head coaching position in junior or something along those lines. Uh, our defensive architect, Andre, last name I can't pronounce. Help. Torini. Maybe. He is out the door along with film coach Mario Dumel. And the reason given for that is that they're seeking bigger roles elsewhere, um, which is interesting given that Coach Andre was the architect of the defense which saw the fifth worst possession season since 2005. Thoughts? Good riddance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah I mean, it's, I think it's like when, you know, Lefebvre left. You know, I'm sorry to see him go, but, it, you know, he really, really didn't do much. Uh, yeah, it, you know, I have some mixed feelings here. Um, <clears throat> we've seen uh, Eric Johnson and Tyson Berry both make enormous strides since the new coaching staff uh, was put in place. Um, they both did that in their two years under Terugni. How much of that is thanks to him uh, is hard to say because they also both hit moments in their career where they really should be starting to peak and starting to have a lot of growth. Um but the rest of the defense and the defensive schemes have really, really not been good in the last two years. And uh, there's no denying that the Avs are one of the one of the worst shot suppression teams in the NHL year after year. And uh, hopefully, it's going to be a replacement with more experience and who can uh, bring those shots against totals down. I think it's interesting that the film coach in particular is on his way out because we spent. Um, just <clears throat> as as minor league bloggers, we spent all of the season basically pointing out these same problems game after game. I mean, making videos about it, screenshots about it. Like, if we're seeing these things that obviously, and they're still being done the exact same way all season, what what's film doing? So hopefully we'll get an upgrade in there and notice some of these problems, get them fixed a little quicker. I mean, I know you can't change everything in season, but... Change some of these things. Yeah, I really wonder about where Torini's loyalties lay as far as you know some of the players that none of us like particularly. And you know, obviously Gannon, 
but also the the Nick Holdens and Brad Stewart's of the world, you know, kind of where, where did he stand on, on their usage and, and whether, you know, they should be greater or lesser going forward as far as ice time and role. It's a really tough question. I mean, we don't know how much um, input he had exactly on global player usage, considering that's a head coaching thing. Yeah, it's tough to say. I mean, the, the gist we've, kind of picked up is that Turgenu was, was the defensive guy. And, I mean, how far that extends, it's hard to say. But even if he's the guy who's who's in charge of setting up the defensive pairings, um, if he's got anything to do with the kind of ice time they're getting, if he's helping Patrick Watt choose what defensemen are going out on the penalty kill, all of those were decisions that were just maligned by fans all year and for good reason. And um, it will be really interesting next year to see how the Nate Gannons of, and uh, Brad Stewart's of this team do in training camp and where they slot in on the pecking order with presumably a new defensive coach. Okay, well, the name that we've seen already kind of in the rumors was Ben Gruel. What do you guys think about that? Anyone know anything about him? Because I, for one, don't. <laughs> I'll take that as a no. Uh, the, the basics on Benoit Gruel for, um, you know, just the basics that you would find on his Wikipedia page, uh, coached the, the Gatineau Olympiques for the last several years. He's been the coach and general manager, (coughs) same kind of thing that Torigny was doing with, uh, Val Dior, I think. And that Wa did, of course, with the Remparts. Um, he's been pretty successful there. And this past year, he was the head coach for Canada at World Juniors. Okay, um, that's where I've heard that name then. Where they won gold, uh, and he got a lot of media attention, a lot of press, a lot of hype for his coaching there. Um, His motto was pretty similar to uh, Waugh's constant, you know, don't get too low, don't get too high. Um, The two were pretty close personal friends from their time in the queue. Uh, and that's all we really know. He's he's um, got a reputation for being a defensive guy, so all of that kind of fits with the Avs' need, um, and with you know was was like of guys in the queue, and, and he's a close personal friend. Um, and there are rumors floating around that Torigny will actually replace Gruel back uh, with the Olympiques, so it could be an interesting full circle move. Yeah. I'll just add that he was the head coach for the Rochester Americans in the AHL for a couple of years, I think 2008 to 2010, oh, yeah. and uh, wasn't very successful. I can't really – I don't remember what kind of prospects Buffalo had back then, but um, let's just say the, the players weren't too happy with him either, so it didn't really work out, so he went back to Gatineau. It's tough to say from that whether it's not the right coach or just not the right fit or what. So, who knows. But anyway, that's not the only um, top-level change we've seen in the last couple of weeks. The the Avalanche have added a new assistant general manager, Chris McFarland, the former AGM from Columbus, according to Aaron Portsline, who is the source on the Blue Jackets. 
He's got a pretty good rep from the AHL. His former role with Columbus was sort of being the architect of Columbus's minor league roster. Um, but according to reports, he's this is going to be a job with the Avalanche. It's going to be a job alongside Joe Sackett. Craig Billington will remain in charge of AHL roster operations. So I, for one, am a big fan of this move. What do you guys think? I like it a lot. Um, you know, he's, he's done a lot more than work with just the AHL. He's back before John Davidson took over. He was also involved a lot in sort of uh, player personnel moves and uh, pro scouting, which we've kind of heard is, is something that he's going to be looking at as part of his main duties. And I, I think that's a really good thing. I mean, you look you look at a lot of the things that we're not generally happy with about the Avs, and a lot of that comes from player personnel moves, you know, re-signing Cody McLeod, re-signing Brad Stewart, you know, not to mention the trade. Um, you know, just, just giving guys deals they probably shouldn't have, and, and hopefully he's, he's going to be able to, you know, give a bit of, of advice and let Sackick do things that are a bit smarter going forward. exactly what I was going to say. My question for you, Earl, too, would be, um, did you, having kept up more with the AHL than than any of us have, um, did you notice anything in particular about, like, the philosophy of the Springfield Falcons in that time? I guess it would have been Springfield and another affiliate, but during that time, uh, what kind of team they were? No, because the Monsters never played them. We we never played any East teams, so... um... You know, I, I really don't know anything about Springfield or I think they were with, uh, might have been Syracuse before that, but yeah. Um, you know, I, a lot of people seem to think they're in a lot better shape than we are right now, so I guess that's hopeful. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, again, I, I think you know, <clears throat> if if he's going to be able to. Uh, sort of build something that's uh, a little more well-rounded down in San Antonio uh, while also it just sort of keeping, I, I guess, a focus that we really haven't had in, in the past two years since Joe and Patrick took over with salaries and roles and whatnot. I mean, yeah, we've already, you know, we, we've seen some good things with some of the longer-term deals for the core guys, but you know, obviously, the what's been going on in the lower six is is pretty bad on on offense and <clears throat> and on defense. And defense is just yowza. <clears throat> also, um, saw a report that, uh, according to his name, McFarland, the uh, the deal that Columbus made for Hartnell was a little bit driven yeah. by analytics too. So, given that a lot of our issues with the player personnel moves have been predictable through analytics it's good that that's the voice that's coming in i think saw that from your coverage i think cole yeah i was gonna i I was just about to to bring that up i in the little digging i did i found those some references to that hartnell deal and um you know i don't know how much of an analytics guy mcfarland is but uh just seeing the organization bring in someone who's been public about the use of it, the, the the helpful uses of analytics, and said that they informed that kind of a trade, which has been really successful for the Blue Jackets, bringing in Hartnell. Um, 
and really hurt the Flyers. <laughs> uh, I, I think it's I think it's a good first step for an organization that was rated you know 30th in the NHL and I think 112 or 114 out of 120 uh, pro sports franchises for their use of analytics. Um, this is a team that's fought an uphill battle against the numbers for the last two years and willfully so at times. Uh, and hopefully we're seeing a little bit of a shift there. Yeah, and I'll go back to Mario Duhamel. I mean, you'd figure a video coach would be a great place to have a guy that um, can apply analytics to what he's studying on the screen mm -hmm. and things like that. So, you know, there's a chance to bring someone in that can uh, bring a little bit of that to the information that's getting to Patrick and the and the coaches on the bench. Mm -hmm. So I think we're all in agreement that this is a positive step, at least on paper, and hopefully it'll lead to some good things. Yeah, I think the other the other thing we didn't talk about is that this is the first move, um, in my opinion, the first front office move made by the Avalanche since, uh, well, in a long time, that hasn't been um, driven at least somewhat by nepotism. Uh, this is an organization that has spent a lot of time promoting from within in the last several years. Um, even Patrick Waugh's hirings were all QMJHL guys who he had uh, worked with or near or uh, in rivalry with before during his time in the queue, um, driven by personal relationships and friendships. And I think this is a move that uh, is finally acknowledging that maybe the Avs need a little bit of help from the outside, or at least that they're willing to look uh, for other perspectives from the outside. And we haven't seen that in a long time. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think getting rid of Rick Pracy and, you know, if you look at this Chris McFarlane move, it, it he kind of takes over a little bit of the role of, of Brad Smith, who's been very high but behind the scenes in the Avs organization for a long time. Uh, it, it really looks like they're kind of shifting away from the nepotism model mm -hmm. gradually, which is nice. More front office type of stuff, although it's not really. That's a a very forced attempt to transition, in case you were wondering. Um, <laughs> I, I don't remember if we talked about this on our last episode or not. The Lake Erie Monsters are no longer Colorados. They are now Columbuses, and we have taken an affiliation with the San Antonio Rampage. And they play in the, in, in the AHL's brand new retooled Pacific Division. Uh, their closest rival, natural rival, should be the Texas Stars, um, especially with the OKC Barons being rip. But the rest of their opponents will be out in California. We're talking about Stockton. We're talking about Ontario, which is a suburb of L.A., uh, San Diego, Bakersfield, and San Jose. And, Earl, I've seen you say some really strange things about what this division's play is going to look like. Yeah, it's still it's a little bit up in the air, but the you know what we're hearing is that San Antonio and Texas will play the complete seventy six game AHL schedule, but the teams that are out in California, the five other teams in our division, will not. Um, <laughs> how short they will be, we don't know. <laughs> what? Uh, but yeah, the the word on the street is that they're going to be playing somewhere between sixty six and sixty eight games, maybe less than that even. And I even saw a rumor yesterday that they want to do sort of a mini playoff series between themselves to 
do something, I don't know, make up for the games at the end or, you know, make it fair to figure out who should be going to the playoffs out of that division. Um, You know, with the AHL moving to four divisions rather than six, they're going to do a divisional style playoffs next year. Um, The first two rounds will be in division like they were this year in the NHL. And uh, it's just, it's, it's really tough to get, your mind around how you know you can you can be a real league and have a situation where <laughs> two teams play the full schedule but five teams don't and yet they're still eligible for the playoffs somehow um, and then they compete amongst themselves at the end to decide who's really the best that's the most yes. california thing i've ever heard <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you know if they do something i mean if they do something like you know texas and san antonio are guaranteed in um and <laughs> out of the five California teams, they just play amongst themselves for the last two spots in the playoffs. Great. I, I mean, I don't know. What wouldn't be stupid at this point? It's a strange arrangement. We'll see how it shapes up. Yeah. It doesn't sound like fair competition is the first thing that they're thinking of. It's no, totally not. You know, it... I, the the twenty five teams that aren't in California kind of had this all foisted upon them. I mean, I, I know that the teams in in Pennsylvania aren't too stoked about. Uh, they're now in a division with all the New England teams. And oh no! Teams are together with Toronto and and St. John's of all places. Um, so it's just you know, it, wah, it's, wah. it's mixed up stuff. <laughs> that makes almost as much sense as having a geographic division with. Toronto and Ottawa and Tampa Bay. Yeah, it's, North East. It, it's the AHL's North East, really. Yeah. It's the New England Alvania. <laughs> but no, that that's that idea is totally based around travel. I mean, the the Western NHL teams want their affiliates close, and now they're saying, "Well, we have to bus all the way to how far?" Wait a minute. Yeah, but I mean, how close is Calgary and Edmonton to California? Closer than they are to OKC and the Adirondack Mountains. Not really. <laughs> no, I looked at, I mean, Calgary is only, you know, 600 miles closer in California than they were in Adirondack. Really? Yeah. Um, I don't know. You know, it, 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 it's going to be released, uh, I guess, probably the second week of July, what the schedule is going to be and, and how they're going to deal with everything like this. So... I can't wait to see how they spin it, honestly. We'll see. And we'll also see who's left on the Monsters roster because uh, a bunch of their top names are uh, restricted free agents on expiring deals. Um, it just occurred to me that I don't actually know when the deadline is to qualify these guys. It's July 1st. It's July, July 1st? 1st. Okay. Yeah. I, I thought it was, but I... Something was telling me it might not be the same. Don't say that. Um, it's, a, it's a pretty long list, but it's all a bunch of monsters, guys. So we'll see which RFAs... Uh, Excuse me. Stop that. We'll see which RFAs get qualified and which ones sign those deals. Um, so I'll just we'll run down the list and talk about whether you think they'll be back or not and whether they should be back or not. Sound good? Yep, sounds good. First up... Uh, because it's uh, other than this guy, it's alphabetical, but he played some NHL time. Jordan Curran. 
Besides, says it all, man. Yeah, I mean that's. I think he's going to get a contract, but you know. I yeah, I I'd be pretty shocked if the organization gave up on him so quickly after trading for him. A because, you know, to to trade for him, they must have seen something they liked, and and B because it's a really quick way to turn around and admit failure. <laughs> Although, uh, if what they liked was an expiring contract, then... Yeah, that's true. I think he'll get a contract I would love for us to somehow escape here with a with a two-way deal just for the team's financial flexibility. Um, but I, I don't see it happening. Probably one year, near league minimum. And I would prefer that he's not, um, not with the... Not with the big club next year because he's great. Um, although I don't, I don't know what his cap hit was, so I guess I probably should have pulled that up to start with, shouldn't I? We'll pull I, up I, like I, a, I can't remember, but wasn't he a Torini guy? I don't know. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So maybe he's out of here. The Torini's leaving because he wants more of a role, then maybe. Maybe he'll bring you. Yeah. Six hundred and forty thousand. Six, I'm sorry, 600000 He took a $40,000 pay cut. Must be rough. It's tough life. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think if we do give him a deal, it's identical to that. I think it's one year, six hundred k. And up, I'm not convinced that we do. Well, I, we'll see. We, still, we have a month until we'll see. Next up is a guy that we absolutely should keep, if at all possible, I think, Andrew Agazino. Yeah. And Dean Chenault did an interview uh, last week with uh, the San Antonio Papers and with the, with the team, and he mentioned Agazino as one guy that they really wanted to sign. So I, I really hope they do. I mean, he scored 30 goals this year, and he's – I guess, I don't know, I don't want to say the Monsters all-time leading scorer, even though he is, but our, our AHL franchise leading scorer of all time. Um, I still think he could, he has a shot at the NHL, too. He's a point per game in the NHL. Yes, he is. <laughs> Why? <laughs> one game played, one assist. Got him. Uh, it, it seems like a no-brainer, especially given... Um, how public the Avalanche have been about a, their their desire to have some vets in the AHL right now, uh, playing major roles and uh, helping that that AHL franchise be successful. Um, in that same interview, Chinaweth Ch- uh, uh went on and on about how young the Monsters have been for the last several years, and uh, seemed to indicate that that was a big thing behind their struggles. So I think when you've got a guy like Agazino who's got some experience in that league and scoring that many goals, they're going to want to hold on to him as much as they can. Got to hope so. Um, and I can't find what his salary was. Because Rip Kapke, I mean, NHL numbers isn't showing anything on non-roster players. General Fanager doesn't have his list, doesn't have his hit listed. It was really low. It was uh, yeah. it was in the five hundred somewhere. It was five hundred and ninety. Yeah, it wasn't much. He just where are you finding that, by the way? General Fanager. 
What? Get out of here. Yeah, I've got 590 from Hockey's Cap. Oh, okay. I clicked on his name and it finally showed me what it was. Okay. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, that, and that's a guy that deserves a little bit of a raise, too. Yeah, if he actually plays in the NHL, I mean, go ahead and pay him. And I'd like to see him play in the NHL. I would, too. <clears throat> Next up, because his name also starts with A, Sammy Idocalio. Pass. I don't think he'll get re-signed, but we're, the goalie situation in this organization is in tough shape right now. Um, you know, you've got Martin coming off of a, a gruesome knee injury. <clears throat> he just started skating and playing goal again the other day, so apparently that's going well. I know Roman Will had knee surgery after the year. Um Arpach missed the whole year with uh, yeah. lower body surgery too. Yeah, he had he blew his knee out too. Um, not that he was a candidate to come over here, but I mean, <laughs> you know, that's just that's a lot of knees knee Don't surgery. Tell AJ man, he's biding his time. <laughs> he is biding his time. He's got till 2018. Yeah, he's um, not in a hurry to take over the league. It'll happen. <laughs> <laughs> but I, you know. I'm not confident enough in either Martin or Will to be any kind of, you know, major role player in San Antonio next year. I mean, I, you know, if, if Sammy was willing to take an AHL deal, and I don't know why the Avs would do that, but, you know, I'd, I'd feel more comfortable about that. But my, my guess is he, he splits. I agree. I think it makes sense for him to move on. I think he probably may even spend a season in Europe and then come back next year. Yeah, if we can qualify him and, and keep his rights for a while, maybe, you know, maybe he turns into the next Reto Bearer or something. And, and... Oh, good. <laughs> a second round pick for him. That sounds good to me. Because what, what was he originally? Wasn't he a third rounder? Sammy? Sammy was a fourth rounder, yeah. Yeah, fourth. he was okay. fourth. Yeah. That's, that's a double upgrade. Yeah. <laughs> Trade him to Calgary. Turn your fourths <laughs> into seconds. That's how we do. About one team, Matt Clark. Keep. He's a keeper for you. Why? He's a vet on defense. When we we have, uh, other than he and Noro, we've got a lot of very young guys down there. Um, Especially you with, with your best friend Bruno Gervais, probably on the way out. Yeah, he's going to be doing color commentary for TVA, hopefully. Um, Jesus. But, you know, to, to have a guy like Noro who's going to be very offensively inclined and not very defensively inclined and then complement that with Clark, who I think would be a great partner for Bigra. Um, you know, I, and he's got leadership out, of, out the wazoo, and I'm not talking about Cody Mack kind of leadership, but <clears throat> community leadership, so... Um, yeah, he'd be a really good guy to keep around, I think. I don't ever expect him to see him with the Avs unless circumstances are quite dire, but, um, you know, good guy for the org. I'd like to keep him. I just wonder how much space we actually have on that blue line with as many people in the organization as we already have signed. It's, I mean, it's a, it's a pretty tight fit as it is. I haven't looked at the exact numbers, but 
it just seems like that that blue line already, you know, when you throw Bigra and Gertzen in there and you bring back Nero, and you look at the the realistic possibility that Siemens and Elliott are going to be there, like that's that's a, that blue line just filled up really quickly. Well, there's so, six guys signed for Lake Erie or San Antonio right now. Lake San Antonio. Lake San Antonio. <laughs> but, um, you know, you don't want Beaupre playing all the time. So, you know, one guy's fine. You know, it'd be nice if you could get um, – it, it, the Elliot dis- – we'll, we'll talk about Elliot in a minute, but um, – We will. <laughs> Probably next. <even>. Yeah. <laughs> but I think Clark is a guy that you kind of uh, need. Hang on, to... I, I think AJ just died. Do we need to call out a wellness check? <laughs> <laughs> I think I heard his soul leaving his body. <laughs> this fucking organization. But no, I I just I mean I'm I'm trying to look at the list right now and I'm not. I'm a little hungover, so I'm I'm processing it slowly. Um, but I mean, between so you've got Cody Corbett, and then you have Duncan Siemens, Max Nero. Uh, I've already Chris Bigram, Mason Gertzen, and Stefan Elliott. I mean, that's there's a starting lineup right there. So I do like Matt Clark, and I do I do think that it would be smart to keep him. I just think that you're already, and I I mean obviously Bupre is a great candidate to go back down to the comets if we renew that affiliation but that that blue line's already pretty much full up well i mean you yeah, need but I think, yeah you need you need to overstock your ahl blue line because one injury and one injury to either organization and you're already yeah down a guy so uh, to me but is probably a guy who should be starting uh a level down next year and um you're looking at an organization that's losing um, already Lordson and Gervais and I'm guessing Ben Yudes as well. Well, there's also the possibility that um, the Avalanche signed another NHL defenseman and you're gonna sign push it well and push and push one of those guys down. I mean it's I, I know that it's unlikely, but the idea of, of them sending down, you know, of them putting Nate Gannon in San Antonio, it I mean I think it's right now I would still say it's realistic. Albeit unlikely, but okay. If if, if they're going to go into the season thinking that Gennon's going to go down to San Antonio, then I'm fine with not signing Matt Clark because I know it sounds weird, but he's a better Matt Clark. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when I yeah. when I watched Matt Clark play, all I saw was Nate Gennon eight years earlier. Yeah, I think that's fair. So, but that's. That's why I'm saying like I would like to sign him, but that's kind of like the one position, the that the the, the roster, the organization's already pretty chock full of. And I I mean if ultimately we sign him, great, whatever. I'm not gonna be upset by it. I just I just wonder if if they want to use that contract elsewhere. There's would be my only question for him. Yeah, there's definitely so. better places to use that contract if we have the space available. Um. But if they can't fill any of those spaces, then sounds like a keeper, kind of kind of a fallback keeper. Yeah, yeah. Now I'll surprise everyone with the next name on the list: Stephen Elliott, AJ. 
Please, yeah. Please hang on to Seth Elliott. <laughs> I'm a bad person to talk to about this. <laughs> <laughs> I just get angry. It's, I mean, the guy's an AHL all-star. He's obviously extremely talented offensively. He His production in the NHL in just his five games last year was impressive. I mean, as a defenseman, playing really limited minutes and not even getting significant power play time, the guy put 10 shots on goal in five games, which is one shot on goal fewer than Borna Rendelich did, and that guy was playing top six minutes every every once in a while. So... I think I think you put him in the context of the other small sample size players. He was a lot more impressive than everybody else that got called up outside of like Joey Hishin. So I I don't understand. I think he belongs in the NHL. I think it would be stupid for him to be in the AHL next year. I think he if the team doesn't add any defenseman whatsoever this summer, he should be the eighth guy um, on the roster next year, assuming that the Avalanche continue to do that. Um with the eight, the eight defensemen coming out of camp and into the season. I think he should be the eighth guy. He doesn't need to be in the AHL anymore. There's nothing left for him down there. He's obviously a very, very good high-level player at that level, and I, I think he would benefit at this point from giving up that roster spot, giving those minutes to some of the kids, let let Chris Begraw take his old role and grow into that, and then Begraw can take his job halfway through the year. So <laughs> I... Elliot belongs in the NHL, and if I, I, if it, I'm sure there are people that disagree, but I think they're fucking wrong. His contract doesn't disagree because this year his contract rolled into an, a one-way deal, eight eight fifty k NHL and no AHL. I mean, it was a, it was one way this year, and they spent it all in the AHL. So, are you sure about that? That's what managers got on me. I mean, it might have been. I mean, the I manager might be wrong. I don't trust it completely, but that's what it's got. I'm pretty sure it was two-way. I thought I think, it was one-way. I, I I think Noro was the only one on a one-way deal, but it, I guess we'll never know. Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll, we'll find out what, uh, what his next deal will be. Well, I'll agree with AJ. I, you know, I don't think there's much left for him to learn in the AHL. Um <clears throat> I'd, I'd rather see him as the eighth defenseman in Colorado. Um, it's, it seems like the 7D11 forward thing is catching on around the NHL. I, I think that would be a great spot for him to ease into the NHL. I mean, if they could, you know, do sort of what, what Chanoff did with Corbett last year and basically dress him and play him for power plays and maybe three or four other shifts at, at even strength, you know, Maybe that'll work. Maybe that'll get his confidence to the point where you know he can become a a full time defenseman. But um, you know he's got nothing left to learn in the AHL. I mean he's got that league dialed. Freddie Hamilton. I like Freddie. I do too. That was a really really good deal. I tell you, he, when, should, when, he should come back. Flat out. There's no reason not to bring him back. 625K NHL, two-way. Great. Yeah. I mean, he was—he obviously, by the end of the year, was a little over his head in the amount of NHL time he got, and his ice time started to shrink, but he's not supposed to be an NHL regular, and no. 
he, uh, you know, he started off with a really big bang with the Avs um, up in the NHL, and that first handful of games he played in relief was was really impressive for a filler guy. He's also twenty three, so you know there might there might still be a little bit left for him to mm-hmm. improve, for him to grow. And at the end of the day, he's still Dougie Hamilton's brother. <laughs> That's right. Um, and Dougie Hamilton could still become a UFA someday. That's right. It just Pretty blows him. me away that their actual names are Dougie and Pretty. Yes, I love it. <laughs> I love it. And while we don't need defensemen down in in San Antonio, we do need forwards. So yes, good lord. Um, I think there's seven signed that we can count on being down there right now. So having Freddie down there will be great. And I'll tell you, when when he and Hishin came down for <clears throat> the last three games of the year. The confidence they had. I mean, it, I mean, Hishin looked nothing like he did before he he went up with the Abs for those thirteen mm-hmm. games. Um, you know, they were really good and had great chemistry together. So, um, you know, I, I think he learned a lot from being with the Abs just for that short time, and and I think he still does have some upside, and he's a great guy for call ups. Yeah, and I think uh, I mean even. Even before his time with the Evs, uh, I, I don't see here what he did last year, but 13-14, Freddie Hamilton was a guy scoring 43 points in 64 games uh, in the AHL. Um, I mean, last yeah. year he scored he scored 30 in 52 games before we acquired him. There you go. So it's just that's the kind of scoring depth they need. Andrew Agazino is, you know, has been great, but he can't do it all, and... Um, with the monsters looking at the possibility of losing Stefan Elliott one way or another, uh, they need that badly. The rampage. Thank you. God, that <laughs> is going to be an adjustment, man. <laughs> I think when they start playing games, it'll be easy. Yeah. But until then, that's it. Just feels unnatural. This sucks. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just cheesed that it happens this year, like after the Barons are gone, because those two teams played each other like a hundred times a year. <laughs> Instead of seeing the monsters like twice, both those times in October, get out of here. <laughs> well, let's, let's detour from Hishin for one name. Um, another fan favorite, Mitchell Hurd. I don't think he's coming back. I don't either. It'd be uh, surprising. You know, he he went down to the Comets after he was kind of given up for dead and played very well down there. He was ECHL Player of the Week, and, you know, he, he really fit in well down there. And he came back up to, to Lake Erie, and he, you know, he benefited for some, let's say, elevated playing time because of injuries and, and played pretty well. But uh, by the end of the year, he was kind of back down in fourth-line territory and scratched every once in a while. And, you know, you just you didn't get the feeling that he was part of the plans going forward. I think he's probably Europe bound personally. That'll have to go down as one of the quickest uh second round pick flameouts the Avs have, have made in a long time. And that's a really high second round pick too. Uh yeah, forty forty one overall. Top fifty. All right, uh, we're back to Joey Hishin. Happy your thoughts. 
Uh, I mean, I think he should get. I think he should get a one way deal, and I think he should be with the NHL team next season, full season, no bullshit. Him not him not being on the team coming out of training camp next year would be really disappointing to me, and I completely expect it to happen. Yeah, I mean, I, I if if McGinn and Winchester are still injured, then yeah, I think he's he's got a spot locked up up there. But if everyone's healthy. I mean, are they going to send Klish down? Are they going to send Bordy down? Please do. Yeah, I mean, that's I mean, what they, hope, but... they should, flat out. I mean, that's, it, they should. But at the end of the day, it's a team that's going to that's gonna say, you know, oh, Klish is our 13th guy, and we want Joey Hishon to play. And then Klish is going to play third line minutes. He's <laughs> going to play in the AHL, and they'll send him back down. And uh, when the first injury hits... The, this organization, for whatever reason, doesn't like to use its call-ups, and they'll say, you know, it's just a couple games, we'll use Cliche, and before you know it, Cliche has played another, you know, 43 games uh, and has bumped up to the third line. Yeah, if he's actually the 13th forward, I'm fine with that, with Cliche with being up with the, with the Avs. Um, you know, if he's not playing, he can't really do any damage. So... <laughs> No, it's, 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 it's true. Someone like, that's just taking up space on the roster. I'm great with that, but the never-ending you, know, you have to follow well, through with part B of the plan and yeah. call up when, someone when as someone soon as you need a player on the ice. Yep. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I think Hishin should be on the roster, and I think he should be playing from day one, regardless of injuries. Hishin's on a one-year deal, eight fifty k or eight. And five hundred, eight hundred fifty thousand five hundred, one way. So that'll have to. I think that has to come up just a little bit to qualify. Yeah, that that was a show me deal. Mm -hmm. You know, on a on a guy who looked like maybe he was never gonna make it in pro hockey with the injuries, and that that was a last chance deal. And he proved enough. He 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 deserves a little raise, and he deserves. You know, this is this is him finally developing uh, the way that he was supposed to. So. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're it paying, should be an obvious re-up. Yeah, and we're we're paying a million a year for twenty-nine-year-old Patrick Bortolo, so. But he's big. Well, and he's a smart hockey player too. <laughs> the fact that the fact that he doesn't have any real hockey skill doesn't seem to matter. Because he's big and he hits people and he fights and he's a smart hockey player. A name you guys have already mentioned as being pretty well gone is next on my list, Marcus Lorenzen. He's gone. There's no way. Yeah. It's too bad. I liked him a lot when we got him, but he just never he never developed any further. He kind of came in and he was who he was. Yeah, he sure enjoyed watching him with the cutthroats, though. Definitely. Yeah, he he never. I mean, he was always an offensive guy, but he never got his defense where it needed to be, and it's too bad. He actually played pretty well as a forward when we were doing the old eight defensemen, ten forward thing at the end of the year, <laughs> like Erie. He, he really was a, a decent forward. I don't, you know, maybe that's something he could learn going forward somewhere else. Hopefully, in uh, Denmark, probably. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's a he's a Danish dude. I have I he seems like a very easy bet uh, for some overseas hockey next year. Yeah, probably had like the Swiss league or something. Yep. Well, we're gonna skip a big name and go straight to Thomas Vinsour. Uh this one. 
I don't know. Tomas. I mean, he wasn't making the team anyway, so. That's right. I've gone back and forth on him a lot because the team does need some sort of forward help, and he is, I think he is a legitimately solid AHL player, and I, anytime I've seen him in the in, in the NHL, I haven't hated him. I haven't been like, wow, this guy's fucking useless. That's certainly not Jordan Caron, but I, I don't know. Like, I, I can go either way, and I don't think it would, I don't think I would care either way. If we brought him back or didn't, I'd just, for me, I would just be like, I right, whatever. I I would just say that if he does go, I'd like them to replace him with a with a similar the way they did with you know if they could bring in another guy like Ben Street instead of Vinceur then then great bring um, back Reed Patrick yeah yeah that that wouldn't be bad um, he just he is a warm body who can play you know pretty pretty okay AHL minutes you can maybe have him in an NHL roster if you're really hurting. Um, and they, they need more of those warm bodies, especially on offense. I'll just say that he was terrible mm-hmm. all year, but I, I, I'm convinced now it was because he was hurt. Because the last month of the season, he just, I, I guess he got healthy and he started playing like he did when we acquired him from Texas or mm-hmm. Dallas a couple of years ago. So, you know, I, I, you know, maybe he was just playing for his job at the end of the year. I don't know, but. You know, after hating him for most of the year, I I kind of warmed up to the idea of of him sticking around and and contributing. Well, we know he got hurt when he came up, didn't he? He got hurt in training camp. He blew out his I don't know if he blew out his knee, but he was gone for a long time, and then he mm-hmm. he had yeah. uh, shoulder and wrist issues beyond that in the middle yeah. of the season. Yeah. Well, and his, his numbers weren't even all that bad for a guy who just couldn't get it going all year. I mean, twenty three points in thirty eight games. That's yeah, but I mean, look at look at his. I mean, he had a five goal, a five game goal streak at the end of the year. I mean, he was, you know, once once he finally started playing well, and they put him on the upper lines. I mean, he was he was really getting it done. So I just wish to be wise, so I could say definitively whether that was, you know, luck or health or what. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I do agree with keeping him on because the monsters need forwards so bad. Um, and he's a $600,000 two way contract. So that's not an expensive one to qualify. <clears throat> he's still only 24 years old and he's big. Yeah. <laughs> so now we'll wrap back to our biggest RFA name. And it's not even close. Uh, Calvin Pickard. Oh yeah. Sign, sign, sign. Sign today. Yeah, it's a no-brainer. Um, you know, maybe even maybe even risk going a little more money and a little more a little more time than you would otherwise for your AHL guy. I'll take that a step further and say they might have to. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he he's got some leverage, and you know, if if they're you know, he can say to them, "Look, I'm fine with playing in the AHL, but I want some commitment on your end." Mm-hmm. That I'm not just the AHL guy while Yogi does his thing up there. <laughs> I'm pretty much never a big fan of term on goaltenders. I would rather see him have a, a much shorter deal that's compensated with a little bit extra cash. Yeah, I'd, I'd rather see it. You know, I, I think a two year bridge deal is what you're looking for here. Um, 
you know, if you make it a nice two-way deal with a little more salary on the NHL end, I, I think, you know, that could be the way to go. Hopefully that's something he's interested in. No, it's going to be interesting uh, to see what he signs for. I'd be, I'd be, you know, I brought up before we turned things on. I brought the Andrew Hammond deal. Um, I th- that's high on money for Pickard, given what he's shown, given his age. But uh, I would be okay with handing him a three-year deal. Me too. I think, I think he's shown enough um, that they can be comfortable committing, you know, a part of their future to him. Uh, I mean. You know, they gave Red Obera a three-year deal, for God's sake. <clears throat> yeah, they did. <laughs> that was a thing. <laughs> they definitely did do that. That happened. And it was for about twice what Pickard's making right now. If, if this organization can't commit to Calvin Pickard for as long as they committed to Brad Stewart, Red Obera, Cody McLeod, and Patrick Bordalo each individually, then we've got really big problems and that still leaves one rfa year afterwards so three would be max for sure yep that concludes my list of rfas i have no one else to discuss i know you didn't want to get into ufas but um ahl contracts are considered ufas um there are seven guys. Two of them don't really count, but we've got Maggio, Patrick, Kenny Ryan, uh, Michael Schumacher, and Benny Outs that could figure into perhaps an NHL contract for, you know, I, I doubt more than one, but I mean, Maggio won't get one. I can say that, but Ben Eudes shouldn't get one. I don't think he should either. Um, I'm looking at Patrick and, and, and Kenny Ryan. Um, Patrick was impressive. I think he, you know, he's the kind of guy that, you know, has a lot of ceiling left, perhaps. Um, it'd be a two-year ELC, so that's fine. <clears throat> Kenny Ryan, you can do year-to-year. Year. He's already gone through his ELC if you wanted to do an NHL contract on him. He was very key defensively and on the penalty kill and scored – you know, fairly well for a player of his age. Um, so those are just things to consider as far as taking up some of the 50 contracts. <clears throat> yeah, the the reason I didn't want to talk about UFA had nothing to do with stuff like that is because no, I'm I tired know. of yelling about Jan Hayda. Um, but <laughs> but that, that's, the, the UFA stuff and with, with the Rampage is a situation that needs to be dealt with, so... I'd give Kenny Ryan one um, just because I don't want to give uh, Reed Petrick a two-year ELC. What if, that, what if you, to keep Petrick, you have to give him an NHL deal, though? Um, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> just straight up. like I like his game. I like that he developed really well. I like what he brought to the Monsters last year, but... Um, I think it's strictly an AHL contract. Like I think he's an AHL player, so he's you know he's twenty two. That's great. There's, there's development left there, but <clears throat> I think I think Kenny Ryan was better, and I think Kenny Ryan, you know, not you can go you can go year to year on him, and I think that's an important distinction. Whereas 
The one thing I don't want the Avalanche to do is to continue to lock themselves into these deals with guys that don't look like they have a strong future um, beyond the AHL. You know, look what we're having to do with Gabriel Gabriel Bupre right now. Like that's that's a guy that you know I I would I wish we could just not have around Garrett Muir is the same thing. Like those are those are guys who are not gonna have NHL futures and are struggling to have an AHL future, and I don't want to continue to lock ourselves into those types of deals. Like those are those are contracts we can't get out from. That we have to just wait for that shit to expire, and when we're in the kind of contract bind that we're in, they stand out as glaring decisions that we made. And if we turn around and we give Reed Petrick one of those deals, I think he just becomes another one of those contracts. And that's I I like him as a player. You know, we've got six guys coming online next summer, and, you know, I don't yeah. know how many we're going to want to keep, but, you know, there, there's some good talent there that, you know, So, I mean, I mean, that's – there's there's a lot of guys that they have to make decisions on for for right rights-wise next year. And, you know, going year to year on Kenny Ryan, give him a, a deal this year, that's fine, but you give Reed Petrick a two-year deal, and that's – one of those guys that maybe that that you drafted, that you used an actual draft pick on, that you maybe don't sign because he's taken up that spot. Yeah, I mean, I, I I'd hate to be in the situation where I don't know Nantel scores you know ninety four points next year, and you're still thinking, well, we can't really sign him. And exactly. Yeah. So that's why I would give him an AHL deal, and I would just say, this is who you are. You know, keep. Keep proving it. If he goes out next year and he blows the doors off the AHL and he scores, you know, he scores 60, 70 points, something like that. Okay, give him an ELC. Great. 50 and 16. But it's, <laughs> you know, it's it's not. The the year that he had statistically, he was he was a good solid player, but, you know, not anything that deserves an NHL deal. Not even close, in my opinion. <clears throat> But Kenny Ryan, different story. I'd give him a one-year NHL deal, especially if you don't want to bring Vin Sewer back. Plus, he was drafted right behind Elliott. Cool. <laughs> Top 50. Um, this kind of leads into something, um, you know, that, you know, we had an affiliation with the Comets this year. It was just for one year. It's It, it might not be back with them. Um, apparently Craig Billington is negotiating a deal with an ECHCL team from what Dean Chanel said last week, but the comments Hopefully. haven't heard anything. So perhaps it's not them. Um, if we had a team that let us have a little bit more control as far as roster makeup and was more of a development team for the rampage rather than a team that was, gung-ho to win the Kelly Cup, you know, you could take guys like Yowds and Petrick and, you know, guys like that that are good call-ups and maybe aren't the best to have at the ECHL level to win the Kelly Cup. Um, you know, I, I think that would benefit the club a lot more, and I don't know who that is. I mean, geographically, Tulsa was unaffiliated. The Avs have somewhat of a relationship with them from a few years ago. Um, obviously, you know, it would be nice to affiliate with the Eagles just because you could do some things for them that wouldn't cost money, like in promotions at the Pepsi Center and things. Um, 
historically they've been. Uh, what about the Americans? Are they affiliated? Alan? Yeah. Um, they are, and I forget who who they're affiliated. San Jose, Worcester. Yeah. Really? Which isn't Worcester anymore. It's uh, actually San Jose now. San Jose, yep. God damn it. That would have made a lot of sense. What I see as unaffiliated right now, just according to Wikipedia, who makes some geographical sense, are the Wichita Thunder, the Tulsa Oilers, and the Rapid City Rush. Well, Colorado's unaffiliated, too. They're, they were with Calgary, who they definitely won't be back with because they have yep. Adirondack. Stock, right. Yeah, Stockton and Adirondack, right. Um, but I just, I you know, there, there have been some articles written this spring about um, teams using the ECHL affiliate as you know a place to really stock the organization with lower level talent um, they, it sort of gives you you know more to choose from I guess and, and give guys AHL or even two-way AHL ECHL contracts to play down there and, and you know be the next Reed Petrick and, and maybe impress enough people to, to get an NHL deal and I just didn't see that with the comments. I think they, you know, they're a great organization. I'm not slamming them at all, but it, they built their team full of veterans so that they could win the Kelly Cup. And you know, it a lot of that helped them, but it didn't help us that much. So last name to throw out is Colorado's first big free agent splash. Womp womp. It's uh, Andreas Martinson. He is from the German Deutsche Hockey League, I think it is. Uh, but there's DEL, D- Deutsche Elite League, something like that. I, yeah. I, it's No, it's the, the German word for ice hockey starts with an E. It's not elite. Uh, it's from Dusseldorf. He is 24 years old. Last season he had... No, 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 no. What? He's not. He is not. He okay. I I got drilled on this. He did not play for Dusseldorfer. Okay. Wait, he either he either played for Dusseldorf or he played for Dusseldorfer. E.G. <laughs> you are only allowed to make those distinctions. You cannot say Dusseldorfer, despite the fact that there is only one team in the DEL in Dusseldorf. <laughs> I am dead serious. I had a dude get pissed at me about this. Yeah. Dudes get pissed about all kinds of stuff. So you have to pick one. It's Dusseldorf or Dusseldorf EG. <laughs> it's your time. Uh, You're on the spot. Yeah. And he had 41 points in 50 games. <laughs> and he's goals. big. And he, yeah, he's big. He had a team high 99 penalty minutes. Um, he's been a regular representative of Team we'll Norway at World Champions. He gets a 20-minute major for fighting there. Yeah. Wait. Yeah. Okay. So that's maybe a little bit of an inflated number. Yeah, and same with his Norwegian <laughs> four fights uh, in a season. And... Yep. And then he's uh he's been regularly representing Team Norway at World Championships. So that not remember, that says a whole lot. Remember last season when the Avs went and signed Dennis Everberg and Borna Randalich and all that was about Lake Erie depth, and uh, Dennis Everberg went and screwed that whole plan up. This is by daring this to be is, decent. Yeah, this is the this is the Avalanche replacing Dennis Everberg for their minor league affiliate. Pretty much. It's a one year uh, yeah, gamble. Think, yeah, I think they're hoping he's gonna bring what they wanted Everberg to bring to the monsters last year. Yep. Uh and be a big a big body on the wing who can 
we transition the puck through the neutral zone. I've never seen him play, so I don't know what to think. But he's definitely big. <laughs> I watched him at, at Worlds. He's okay. Yeah. It was fine. A little underwhelming. No Jonas Holos for Norway, but that's my that's my axe to grind. <laughs> it's all about the. <laughs> I know his girlfriend's stoked about San Antonio, so there's that too. Wait. What? I, I I forget where I saw it, but apparently his girlfriend was excited about moving to San Antonio. Huh. Nice. Somebody moment. from the organization's got to be. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Although I mean, coaches wise, like you got to you got to assume that it's it's kind of an at least a lateral move going from Cleveland to San Antonio. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, and I mean, we you guys have seen Mason Geertsen's truck. He's gonna fit in just fine. Yeah, That's right. Work this rodeo, so he's gonna be just. I mean, they're gonna have to <laughs> lock him down on Saturday nights there. Geertsen is Mister Alberta, and Alberta is Canada's Texas, so it's perfect. <laughs> he's, yeah, he's gonna own the Riverwalk. But that, as we do run a little bit long, more longer than I expected, um, let's maybe try to keep this part as brief as possible. Um, we're going to have all summer to talk about it. And that is our off-season wish lists. Um, I think the areas that we want addressed are pretty obvious. Depth forwards, defense. Voila. Okay, everybody's only allowed to pick one of each. One player? Yeah, one one defenseman and one depth forward. I assume is this that all, means you've is this already all... got one of each and are ready to go so. first. Is this under the premise that Ryan O'Reilly is re-signed? Yes. Okay. Because we, we don't know what the post-O'Reilly world will look like. We don't know what the return will be, so we can't speculate on that. Okay. I mean, we can, but we don't want it to become that thread. <laughs> They're all that thread, man. They are. Okay, so... Uh, Assuming Ryan O'Reilly stays one forward, one defenseman for the Avalanche next year. Mm-hmm. See, so now you've put everybody on the spot, and I was kind of thinking maybe we could get some time to think while you go first. That sucks <laughs> for you guys, huh? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Daniel Briere and Ryan Wilson. Nice. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna be bad forever. I will punch you through this computer. <laughs> We've never seen this kind of injury in our emergency room before. Well, I've never been punched through Skype before. <laughs> it's a brave new world. Um, okay, I'll I'll go first, I guess. I mean, the obvious choices here are uh, Sakara and uh, Soderberg. Those are my answers. Are the two guys who filled the biggest need for the Avs. Um, I don't know how I feel about uh, the the commitment financially that it would take to get both of that, those guys, or more specifically to get Soderberg in addition to already going after a defenseman. Um, I might depending on the price, be willing to take a waiver on Sean Bergenheim, though. Hmm. 
solid guy. Yeah. Guy that I don't think Minnesota will have back. Yeah, I don't. I don't think so either. He fizzled a little bit with them at the end, and they have they've got way harder decisions to make than him. So, I think he's an easy pass for the Wild. Hmm. What about our uh, our old friend who has decided he's not coming back to Pittsburgh? Any thoughts on Christian Ehrhoff? He'd be my second behind Sakara. Mm-hmm. What about the concussion issue, though? That's why he's my second. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Seriously, if, he, I, if would, I wasn't worried I about that. With Erhoff over Sakara, if I believed he was going to be 100% healthy. Yep, same. What he I, did in Buffalo on a, on a terrible team was so impressive. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I would be a little bit concerned over the term that he would command if he hadn't just had a one-year deal with Pittsburgh. So I don't think that's going to be a real issue. I think yeah. he you took that one year deal gambling to get you know one more big payday uh and he really it did not end up paying off because of the injuries. Yeah. Yeah. It's too bad for him. Well, and he's yeah. I mean he's still making over 4 million dollars a year from Buffalo for the next like 10 years. <laughs> so, yeah, it's yeah, true. I think I think he could realistically settle for similar terms that what he signed in uh, in Pittsburgh, I think he signed a four million dollar deal. I think that four, yes. four and a half is probably as high as he's going to get. Especially with the concussion issue lingering over him, I really don't see him going above four and a half million per. Mm-hmm. So I think I think you could really get him on a solid four or five year deal for probably four million, four and a half million. I'm like that'd be a really good deal. David Jones money. Yeah, well, I mean, except David Jones sucks, and that was an overpayment from the moment that contract was offered. But what do I know? I've only been saying that since the day it was announced. But, you know, 4x4 four four will be one David Jones money as long as I'm alive. <laughs> you know he scored 30 points last year? I didn't. Thir- wait, 30 goals? No. <laughs> In a row? In one game? Um, I don't know enough about the UFAD to be able to say anything but I'd like to get Carl Hagelin that's all you know there's not that many of them this year and we don't have much room for them either I know but I'd like to get Carl Hagelin somehow I mean if we're going to dip into RFAs I'm getting Dougie (laughs) Hamilton (laughs) yep because Boston's fucking broke and you can shoot an offer sheet of Brandon Sod while you're at it. Well, only, only Sod at all. If your offer sheet does not include a second round pick. Yeah, but you can offer. Thank you, Brad Stewart. Dude, you can offer oh, five and a half million dollars for the first and third round tender. I wouldn't do an offer sheet on Haglin. I'd, I'd do a trade. Okay. I mean, I. I like Carl Hagelin. He's a good player. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know that I don't I don't know what they would want, but I don't I don't know what we could give that we would be willing to give. Well, the problem is they want cheap. Well, exactly. They, we got they that. have to have cheap. Well, you'd you'd probably be looking at like Joey Hishin plus yep. plus plus. I know it's dumb, but Hishin and Elliot, I mean, you know, all these assets that aren't assets, I mean, you know, if there's any way that we could turn that into anything. <clears throat> I think well, we can. 
I, I think we right. could turn them into assets by playing them in the NHL and watching them succeed. But <laughs> again, maybe I'm biased here because <laughs> I think they're both NHL players. What kind of asset management is it to use your assets as as players? Yeah, I mean, when you could just wheel and deal like you're playing NHL 14 all the time, why would you do such a thing? Internet okay. things. Steve House. Elliot and sixth for Haglin. We got it. <laughs> the, the sixth is conditional. <laughs> oh, wait, we don't have a sixth. We gave it away for Brad Stewart. God damn it. <laughs> if it keeps on giving. Congratulations, Brad Stewart. You're herpes. <laughs> well, before we lock things down, um, why don't we give our new BSN Avalanche staff a chance to talk about what that site's going to mean for the future of Colorado Avalanche coverage. Um, what's, what's it going to mean? Hopefully it means that we actually are able to give the kind of coverage that we have been looking for ourselves for so many years, you know, with the, with the Denver post basically just shitting the bed as a regular force of habit at this point. Um, you know, there's an opening there and with the access that we have been promised to be given, we have an opportunity to really cover the team full time the way that we have been looking for, for such a long time. Um, you know, I think, I think we're off to a really good start. I think that everybody that's on the staff is excited about the direction that we're headed. And we just hope that everybody kind of comes with us on this because we have our eyes on a pretty big prize. And we think that given enough time and enough quality coverage that we could chase down the Denver post and hopefully surpass them someday. And that's, you know, that's, that's kind of what we're thinking. That's kind of, those are kind of our goals. And and our, our expectations for ourselves is that we are going to, you know, it's already started with our draft coverage, which is pretty much unparalleled on the internet right now. Yeah, it's, it's really something. And um, we just hope to continue to, to, to up that ante as, as we move into uh, the draft and free agency and covering it through there. And then in, in training camp next season and through the preseason, we're supposed to get our credentials and supposed to get you know, rocking and rolling, covering the team as, as full-time press. So basically it's going to be the same thing that uh, I was doing for MHH this past season with the practice reports and all that only, and the training camp coverage and uh, the game, you know, the game coverage only I will be hopefully uh, in the, in the locker room afterwards, asking the questions that we've always wanted asked. Like why is Marc-Andre Cleach still happening? <laughs> So that's that's kind of what our vision for the site is and kind of our, our hope for the future. Not to, you know, not to get too into it. I'm looking forward to it. I mean, it's it's already so much better as far as having you guys as a resource. Um, you know, I, I mean, I just can't imagine any other media outlet in Denver doing what you've done so far with the draft. I mean... You know, you're going beyond guys I've never heard of. I mean, it's beautiful. And, I mean, not to, you know, we're we're only halfway done. So we have another three weeks of um, draft coverage, prospect profiles, I should say, 
and then we will shift into full free agency and full blown actual like draft coverage, not just prospect <laughs> profiles. You know, we have a mock draft that we're working on right now. I need to get a hold of Casey because it's been her pick for like three fucking days. Um, Bus. But we need to, you know, we have a mock draft coming out next week. We have, um, uh, we did a, a full, full review mock draft. Yeah, full first round mock draft, um, in which everybody was assigned teams, and we all did research on our teams, and we've all, you know, done so much prospect coverage already that we have all this research on all these guys. So. We have a we have a very informed and interesting mock draft that we're going to be releasing on Wednesday. We also have a full review. Uh, we broke down every single move that um, Juan and Sakic have made since they were they were brought on, and we graded them all the moves. And we have those pieces also coming out um, this upcoming week. Sounds good. You guys so. are doing a lot of really high quality in depth content, and looking forward to seeing what it's going to mean when we get to the parts of season that I actually care to invest time about i just i have no patience for drafting free agency stuff you guys know that. no steve steve house is 100 percent committed to the uh alexander radulov 24 yes. 7 365 coverage yes i am yeah i'm traveling to russia to talk to him in person next week actually yeah <laughs> i'm hoping i come home that was that if you if you guys want an example of what we want to be of what we want to do differently than the post just Read the report that I wrote about uh, the Avalanche being interested in Radulov and read the one that Mike Chambers wrote, and you'll see the difference in the coverage that we expect moving forward. All right. Just put them side by side, and you'll see where the future of Avalanche coverage is. I take it Wikipedia is not your best source. Believe it or not, it was not linked one time. (laughs) All right, well, thank you guys for joining me on a random off-season Sunday. Hope we're looking forward to some uh, some action in the Stanley Cup Finals starting on Wednesday. Chicago and Tampa. Who you guys got? Real quick. Chicago, Chicago against Chicago. Everyone nice. besides Chicago. I'm gonna, I guess, get to see a uh, cup parade out here. I took Tampa in my bracket and I'm gonna stand by them because I've already taken them. So thanks for joining us. Uh, first show of the off-season. We're gonna have Probably another one around draft time, another around free agency. Maybe we'll have another live reaction show around free agency. We will count on seeing everyone then. Have a good one. That's the wrong direction for the volume.